John chapter 1 is where we are going today for the main text. Uh, this is one of those times when I wish I spoke here a little bit more than once a month because there was a lot that I found uh, that I wanted to share, but we'll see how well we do at getting through it. And anything that we don't, I'll try to provide references for you so that you can study on your own. There's a lot of richness here. So, for our first point, um, I just put simply, God who transcended time stepped into it for us. Um, have you ever considered that thought? Have you ever just paused to think that the Creator God, who was beyond time, remember Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. He didn't say I was. He said, I am, because if anyone possessed the ability to be existent in all times at once, it is the Creator God. And that's something that's beyond our comprehension. But He was the same God standing before them that day as the one who said to Moses in the burning bush, tell them that I am has sent me to you. And so let's look at the first chapter of the book of John, if you have your Bibles with you, and the first five verses starting out. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of men, and the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now, something very key that we need to focus on here. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, there is a translation of the Bible, I believe, it's the Jehovah's Witness Bible that says the word was a God. But that little word a does not belong there because there's only one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The word was God. He was God. He was 100% God before he came as a baby and he was 100% God as that baby in the manger. And it says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Do you ever think about that the uh, that as Jesus is ordered to go to Bethlehem? The leader that ordered his family to go to Bethlehem was created by himself. The, the mother and the father that he had chosen to uh, raise him as an earthly human, they were created by him. Mark Lowry in his classic song, Mary Did You Know, says, Mary Did You Know that your baby boy would 
one day walk on water. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? And then later it says, did you know that this child that you delivered will soon deliver you? Well, obviously, now that she lives in eternity, she does know that. But imagine being that close to God's plan. Imagine having that be your blessing. Imagine an angel saying to you, you are highly favored among women. And then it says in verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of man. There was nothing but darkness on this earth before Jesus came. Nothing but darkness. You see, in our, in our, in our man-made voices, our man-made thoughts, we might think, well, there was a worldwide flood and it wiped out the whole earth except for Noah, who was faithful to the Lord. But it doesn't really say fully that Noah was faithful to the Lord. He is noted for his faith, but after the flood, he, he planted a vineyard and he got drunk. He was imperfect. This showed that the flood was not a permanent solution to the problem. The only permanent solution would come in Jesus stepping out of eternity into time. There's an old song that we sing, Out of the ivory palaces, into a world but woe of woe. And we think of what he has done for us, that that indeed was the case. So let's look, if we can, at a couple different cross-references. First is Proverbs 30, verse 4, and then Galatians 4, 4. If someone could read the Proverbs passage and then the Galatians passage, that would be awesome. Proverbs 30, verse 4 is one of these uh, passages, kind of like the passage um, that I read in Job during the breaking of bread, where it looks forward to the Savior. Who has ascended up into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the winds in his fist? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? Think about that. The very God that had control over the, over the entire universe, he bound it up in his fists. He cast it where it was. He told the stars where to go. He told the, he told the sea, this is where the seashore is. This is where you stop. And he said to the waters as he's walking with his disciples, Peace, be still. And it was. Because his voice created it all. 
Why do you think when he when he brought Lazarus back to life, he didn't say come forth, he said Lazarus come forth because who knows how many of the dead <coughs> would have risen again had he simply said the words come forth with no specific name. But see, God's plan was specific. We look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. And uh, can you read verse 5 too? To redeem those who were under the law, we might receive the adoption of his Son. Alright, so obviously you want to add in your notes that it's Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5. But in that passage we say that when the fullness of time had come, when God's plan had been fulfilled to that point, then Jesus came. You know, a lot of times in our human economy, the things that we, that we think should happen don't happen on time. They happen much later than we think they should. I remember uh, last summer, early last summer, or early uh, two, uh, what, two summers ago, when I got the word that I needed to stop driving my van, and I had a month worth of speaking engagements in June where I was gone every week, and I was like, Lord, they said I'm not supposed to drive my van. What are you doing? Give me a van. And God kept my van on the road for that whole month because it wasn't until late July that I actually got the new van. But see, in my economy, I would have had a van the next day. But God, in a sense, when the fullness of time had come, He fulfilled that need. And how much more so when the prophets are looking towards um, God to redeem his people, ever since he said in Genesis chapter 3 that um, someone born of a woman would crush the serpent's head. They've been waiting for this to happen. And yet as we're going to see as we go forward in our passage, even though they were waiting all these years, they still by and large, often missed the point. Let's continue in our passage and we'll see that John prepared the way. Point two, John prepared the way, but many people missed the truth. John 1, 6-11 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, but the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. How interesting... That the second part of the passage again reiterates his position as creator. How important is it for us 
to acknowledge the Creator and to worship the Creator. The Bible says in Psalm 150, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And we read in Paul's epistles that the very creation groans for the return of Jesus. It's not just humanity, though we groan in a way that the rest of creation cannot, but the whole of creation groans for his return. I think of the children's story, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is a children's story, but it's very rich with spiritual truth. And when the children, the Pevensey children, first get to Narnia, what do they see? They see winter all around, cold, nothing pointing to life. Everything's dark. All the animals are afraid because of the white witch. And then they find out something very important. They say, they hear Aslan is on the move. And when they hear Aslan is on the move, it fills them with wonder. And then they start to see the snow melt. And for the first time in years, Father Christmas is in Narnia. What's the significance of that? Because it's always winter and never Christmas. How dull would our lives be if Christmas had never occurred? And then John, the Baptist, he is the forerunner of Jesus. I've heard people say in some ways, he's the best man of the bridegroom. He's not the bridegroom himself. He doesn't take any glory for himself, but he extols the bridegroom. And he is not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light. We read in another passage, John says, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then John would also say, There is one coming behind me who is the latchet of whose shoe I am not worthy to unbuckle. It doesn't get much more humble than that. To say, I'm not even worthy to unbuckle his shoe. Even though that was probably the lowest of the low as far as servitude back in those days. And then it says that Jesus was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And then this striking statement. He was in the world and the world was made by him but the world knew him not. He was in the world the world was made by him but the world knew him not. Why is that? Because Adam, at one point, was walking in the cool of the day in full fellowship with God, and he went his own way. And ever since then, we've all been going our own way. Isaiah says, we've all turned our, all we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have all turned our own way and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He came unto his own and his own received him not. He came, as he told the Phoenician woman, for the lost sheep of Israel. That's who he came for. And I, I believe he had a vision for the whole world, but his, his vision was that the Jews would draw the rest of the world to himself. But instead... They rejected him, but as we will read in a minute, as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe on his name. Let's look at a couple cross-references about how people um, missed who he was and still miss who he is. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, if someone could get that. And then Matthew 2, 8 to 16. I really tried to cut down the Matthew passage, but there really is no way. It's such a good, complete passage. So 1 Corinthians 2, 8 and Matthew 2, 8 to 16. Okay, so, so these people thought they were just killing a, a rad, radical rebel teacher who was making things difficult for them. They didn't realize that they were killing the very Lord of glory. Peter said it this way, you've crucified the one who God has made both Lord and Christ. And have done so with wicked hands. Okay, Matthew 2, 8 to 16. This, of course, is the story of the wise men, but I want you to pay particular attention to the king in the story. Take the young child and his mother 
and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. All right. Oh, is it? Keep going. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked, of the wise men was exceedingly raw and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So the, here's the interesting thing is that Herod when he first hears about this king of the Jews which, by the way, I hope that I see the wise men in heaven someday because I'd love to know how they first realized that they needed to come see this king. Because you don't see much background on why they decided to come. You just know that they came, and you don't read anything more about them in the remainder of the scriptures. But you see in this passage, Herod comes, or they come to Herod, and Herod's like, uh, goes to his wise men and he inquires of them and they pull out the scriptures and if we had time we'd go back and read that they found that in Micah that this was prophesied that, that he was going to be born in Bethlehem, Ephrata. <clears throat> and so he hears this prophecy and instead of being like, this is the king, this is the king of all time and being excited about it, he said to them, go and find the young young child so that I can worship him but he doesn't want to worship him does he because like the Pharisees to come he's more concerned about Jesus taking away his kingdom and so what does he do he inquired of when the star would appear, had appeared so that he could calculate the time that had passed since then. Think about that. The, the wise men quite possibly were, were on a two-year journey. Two years to find this king of the Jews. Oh, that we would have that dedication as we continue to seek God and learn more about him. Jesus says, you will seek me and you will find me if you seek for me with all your heart. But he missed it. Herod missed it. He, he, he missed the whole point. And he tried to have Jesus killed, but of course, God had a plan for that too. And he told Joseph to get up and take the young child to Egypt. You know, I wonder if Joseph ever asked, we, know, we never see it in the scripture, I wonder if Joseph ever asked what he signed up for. Because he's kind of the, the, the silent but strong side character in this story because 
he's constantly having to make these tough decisions based on dreams that God gave him. And yet he does it every time. What a blessing for Mary to have had that. And um, my dad made the point, and I think it's a good one to consider that perhaps a good re- one reason, among others, that Mary was chosen was because of the strength of Joseph. Because of his strength of character. But whatever the case, it just proves that how God can use Mary and Joseph as these imperfect people to put forth his perfect plan because they were committed to him. All right. Well, as we continue on our passage, we find that many people missed the truth. They did. There was no room for them in the end. I think they would have made room if they knew that the king of the universe was going to be born. But they didn't. They missed it. The Herod missed it. Because all he could think about was killing him so that he could have his popularity and his kingdom secure. But those who received him were and are blessed. Because those who received him during that time were blessed. And we who are believers now who have received him are blessed to this day. Let's look at John 1, 12 to 18. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spoke. Him that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have received, and grace, uh, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten, at any time, the only begotten of the Father, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. So let's look at some things in this section here. First of all, we read in verse eleven that He came unto His own, and His own did not receive Him. But then we said. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And then we see, um, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. We were born again, born again by the will of God, and nothing can change that. You see, if it was only of my own will that I was born again, then I could decide not to be. Because my will is fickle. 
But God says to us, I am God and I change not. He decided in 1984 to reach down into my heart and to claim me for his own. And he has never once rescinded that offer. He said to me that I will never leave you nor forsake me, and surely he has not. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No man has seen God at any time, but we will see the face of Jesus. John, bearing witness here, again, it's all about Jesus. He says, He is preferred before me, for He was before me. And think about this. People doing the human math would be like, John, you're crazy. You were born six months before He was. But remember what we said in the beginning? Before Abraham was, I am. John had a beginning. He had human parents. It was miraculous because they were beyond the age of bearing, but both of his parents were human. So they were sinners. And yet the Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb and leapt. There's no greater pro-life argument out there than to realize that the first person to acknowledge Jesus as Lord was an unborn child. And his mother, Elizabeth, understood it and says, the mother of my Savior is here. I know because the babe leaped in my womb. Leaped in my womb. (laughs) What a blessing. What a blessing indeed that is. And then, we read continuing, And of his fullness have all we received, grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You see, the truth is, that none of us can attain to the level of perfection needed for heaven. Jesus said, except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Why does my righteousness exceed that? It does because I wear the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might remain the righteousness of God. We, we sing the song dressed in His righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. And I faultless? No. Anyone who knows me closely knows that. I'm not faultless, but I serve a faultless God. I believe in 
the faultless Jesus who gave himself for me. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten, fa- the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. Imagine that. He was in the bosom of the Father. He had this closeness with the Father. And the Father says, Hey, Son, I want you to go into the world that we created and I want you to show them me. And I want you to redeem them. The only way they're going to be redeemed is through your sacrifice. Something we, we cannot understand on a human level because we know they're one God, three persons, and one God. And we know that he thought about the way things were before he came to earth because he said, I've done everything in John chapter 7 and I've done everything you asked me to do. Now restore to me the glory that was mine before the world was. This all the while that he's crying in agony in Gethsemane because he was thinking about me. There's an old gospel song that says, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. What a wonderful thought. I'm not going to have time to go through this in detail, but I want you to write these down. Some examples from the scriptures of when people did receive him and were blessed. Thinking of Mary in Luke 1, 30, 35 to 38. And I think we'll take the time to read this one. So if someone could look that one up. And then we'll also read about Joseph in Matthew 1, 20 and 24. But then the following three I'll let you look up on your own. Elizabeth, Luke 1, 43. The shepherds, Luke 2, 12 to 16, and Simeon and Anna in Luke 2, 25 to 38. But let's look at Mary and Joseph and how they were blessed because they, they realized and acknowledged what was happening, even if they didn't fully understand it. Let's look at Mary first, Luke 1, 30, and then 35 to 38. Luke 1, 30? Yes. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Yeah. 35 to 38. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the only one to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. 
and nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. So, Mary is faced with this impossible thing. You're a virgin. You've never been with a man intimately. And yet you are going to have a baby. And not just any baby. The Son of God. And I love how God reinforced with Mary that he could be trusted and that these things could happen because he told her about Elizabeth right away. And he said, Elizabeth is called barren, and yet she's six months pregnant. And then what does Mary do after she gets this news? She packs up, and who does she go to? She goes to Elizabeth. And it says that she abode there about three months, which means I have no doubt that Mary was there when John was born. She saw that Zacharias was mute. And she saw when Zacharias wrote on that tablet, his name is John, that his tongue was loosed. And then he prophesied. And he started talking about what God was going to do for his people. Mary didn't know what was going to happen, but she said this, So be it to me, according to your word. A lot of times when, when God wants us to do something, we say, well, give me the details now, and, and then I'll think about it. I'll pray, I'll get back to you. Maybe I'll start a committee, just to make sure that it's the right thing. But Mary didn't do that. She said, let it be according to your word. Do you realize the risk she took? She risked not being married to Joseph. She risked being stoned to death. She risked being thrown out by her family. Who knows if she was thrown out by her family? We don't read anything about her family. We never read about her family being involved in her life. So it's quite possible that they did reject her. And yet she said, let it be according to your word. Let's look very quickly at Joseph. As I said, he's kind of the silent partner. But the things that you read about Joseph are all good things. Even when he was thinking about putting away his wife, he wanted to do it privately so she wouldn't be humiliated. So let's read a little bit about that in Matthew 1, 20-24. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in the dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. The 
Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And we we read as it goes on that he was um, he did not know her in an intimate way until the baby was born. And so I just think about the discipline, the self-control, the sacrificial love that it took for Joseph to take his wife under those circumstances. And yet he did it because he knew how to follow the voice of God. And what's interesting to me about that is God only spoke at that time to specific people at specific times. Yet Joseph was ready to hear the voice of God. Sometimes people may say, well, I haven't heard the voice of God lately. My question to you would be, are you listening? Are you ready to hear the voice of God? And are you ready to to, to do what he asks? I want to be a Joseph. I want to be someone who gives that self-sacrificing love. Who cares more about the welfare of others than about myself. Who does what I can to make sure that others are safe and protected. And I would hope that it would be the prayer of the other men here and all of us that we would be the same way. We've kind of just scratched the surface as so often we do when we open the Word of God, but I hope this has given us a lot to think about as we approach this Christmas. Christmas always excites me because it's such a promise of hope. It's pretty fitting that it comes a week before New Year's because New Year's are about new beginnings. Jesus said, Behold, I make all things new. How great is that? I want to close in prayer and then I have a closing hymn that I would like to do. I believe it's 148. There's a song in the air. But let's close in prayer first and then we all sing this together. All right. Yes, it's 148 in the red book. All right. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time that we've had to consider your incarnation. We thank you for the people of this story. We thank you that you didn't come to a palace. You didn't come to opulence. You didn't come to the best of the best as the world would see it. You came to a simple carpenter and to his espoused wife and you made your abode with them. You were subject to them, Lord. You were subject to Joseph and Mary and you grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor. 
with God and man. And one day, when you were at the wedding in Cana, you would, instead of calling your mother, mother, you would say, woman. And you weren't saying it in a, in a disrespectful way. You were simply saying that it was time for you to move on to the next phase of your life. I have no doubt in my mind that that was very hard for Mary. But I'm so thankful that Mary and Joseph were faithful to you and that they give us that example. Lord, may we as well be faithful. Go with us as we go our separate ways and as we enjoy celebrations with family in this joyous Christmas season. May we not forget the Christ of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name, amen.